Today we come to the second teaching, coming into the second level of humility. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you open our hearts to abandon ourselves with complete trust and love to enter the fire of the heart of your Son, Jesus. And we pray united with the one who best teaches us humility, our Blessed Mother. Amen. Amen. So let us begin. We are entering today the Sacred Heart. Like Father said in his prayer, the Lord is bringing us to possess more and more a greater growth in humility. And we will come to understand what the second level of humility is through this retreat. The Lord taught us on page 187 of the path what happens at this level of purification. It is the purification and the crucifixion of our desires. The Lord says to us, The purification of your desires is the first stage of purification in my sacred heart. You begin to move only according to my desires and not yours. You no longer do what you want to do, nor go where you want to go, but now you go only where I take you. You choose to live each day according to what is most difficult, not what is easiest. This will require a greater discipline of your will, greater silence and stillness of soul in me. At the end of that message, our path raises two questions that we hope will be answered throughout the remainder of this retreat. First, what keeps us walking according to our own will and desires? And second, how do we discern the difference between our desires and those of Jesus? We have many desires, and many of our desires are actually good desires. But the problem is that they're attached to our ego. They're our desires. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to come deep within our hearts to purify our desires so that they become one with the desires of God, which is his holy will. As we grow in God's desire, it becomes a longing of our heart, a prayer, a waiting. And this process expands our hearts. How can a desire be good and still be impure? Think about if you have a glass of milk to give to your son and a bug falls into it. The milk is good, but now it has become impure. And so with our desires, I can say, I'm a good person. I want good things for my family. I want to do good things today. But they're still tainted with your desire. It has not been completely surrendered in trust or even asked, God, is this really what you want, because there's a difference between saying there's nothing wrong with this to decide to coming to see, Lord, what gives you the greatest glory? What pleases you the most? 
And that is the process of purifying our desires, giving them to the Lord. And we should not be afraid because the Lord loves us so much. The more we are conscious that we are loved, the greater is going to be our desire to surrender. St. Augustine teaches on this process. It's called Our Heart Longs for God. And he says, We have been promised that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. By these words, the tongue has done its best. Now we must apply the meditation of the heart. He says, let us turn to this source of knowledge, and because at present you cannot see, make it your business to desire the divine vision. More and more that desire in our hearts to be like him, to be like God, to see him face to face. St. Augustine continues, the entire life of a good Christian is in fact an exercise of holy desire. You do not yet see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you so that when he comes, you may see and be utterly satisfied. Yes, as mothers and missionaries of the cross, we desire to see God. We desire heaven. But there are other desires profound in our hearts that has been the work of God. What do we desire? What is our motto? We desire to be one with the sacrifice of love, Jesus crucified. We desire to be his light, one with the light, Jesus Christ. We desire to truly be his victim souls. And none of us have become one yet with God. But it is our desire, and that holy desire has been placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the desire becomes a longing, a prayer. It's a preparation for us to be fulfilled, to be given, to receive what we long for and desire. The desire that St. Augustine speaks about is very impressive. He says, we shall be like him. To desire to be like Christ. And that means that we desire to walk with him, to go to Calvary with him, to suffer with him. When you love someone greatly, you can't be apart from his suffering, from his longings. So make everything that is of Christ ours. And this is the struggle in our hearts to surrender and to say, Lord, I want to desire with you. And the Lord will give it to us in this longing, in this process of longing. St. Augustine continues. He gives a beautiful example. Suppose you're going to fill some holder or container, and you know you will be given a large amount. Then you set about stretching your sack or wineskin or whatever it is. Why? Because you know the quantity you will have to put in it, and your eyes tell you there is not enough room. By stretching it, therefore, you increase the capacity of the sack. And this is how God deals with us. Simply by making us wait, he increases our desire. 
which in turn enlarges the capacity of our soul, making it able to receive what is to be given to us. And the Lord explains this in the second part of the message we began this teaching with. He talks about waiting. This is on page 187. The Lord said to us, At times, God requires immediate obedience. At others, your obedience is lived as you wait upon the Lord. And he goes on to tell us that that waiting is actually more pleasing to the Father. Why? Because it requires a greater trust and abandonment from our part. In the path also, on page 294, the Lord speaks to us about this stretching of our hearts. And he says, The love of God will stretch your love beyond your physical capacities. The expansion of the tent of your hearts is a most painful process. And the Lord desires this painful process only for the great good that our hearts expand and expand so that they can be filled more and more with the fullness of God himself. Now we can see a contrast between what is easiest for us. What is it? To stay in the surface, instant gratification, going shopping, just doing things that we immediately feel gratified doing, but we can't stay there. The Lord wants to take us deeper, and that's where we have to make this longing. Lord, I was created for love, for something greater. It doesn't mean that we don't go shopping, or, but that cannot be the focus of our life. The Lord is bringing us to expand our tent. That means that my soul and yours is going to grow in desire and then in participation of the life of Christ. And that's not going to be only in heaven. In heaven is going to be the fulfillment of all desires. But here on earth, as we long and we wait, we're going to see the first fruits being received. Amen. St. Augustine goes on to tell us, such is our Christian life. By desiring heaven, we exercise the power of our soul. Now, this exercise will be effective only to the extent that we free ourselves from desires leading to infatuation with this world. And this is going to be a focus of the second part of this reflection in the rest of the retreat, is freeing ourselves from our desires that are attached to ourselves, to our ego. And they are not the desires of God. Let me return to the example I have already used he says, of filling an empty container. God means to fill each of you with what is good, so cast out what is bad. If he wishes to fill you with honey and you are full of sour wine, where is the honey to go? The vessel must be emptied of its contents and then be cleansed. Yes, it must be cleansed Even if you have to work hard and scour it, it must be made fit for the new thing, whatever it may be. Our Lord teaches this to us also in the simple path, page 235. He explained it to us this way. 
Just as you can see the liquid through a clear glass, you are called to be my clear, pure chalices. You are chosen to hold my precious blood. Our hearts are the chalice of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to tell us, My blood is my life. My blood is healing fire. Therefore, first, my chalice, meaning our heart, must be emptied and purified. This is what I have been accomplishing in you at my feet and in my pure side. That was chapter 2 and 3 of the path. It is now in my sacred heart, in this furnace, which is the fire of the Holy Spirit, that you are formed as my living chalices. So this is the beauty of where we are entering now. And St. Augustine ends by telling us, we must extend ourselves toward the measure of Christ so that when he comes, he may fill us with his presence. Then we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And this is what St. Paul calls ambition as a sign of holiness. Ambition, the highest gifts. A Christian cannot be content as he is. We need to desire to grow, to surrender more, to love more. And so this is a holy ambition to desire to be the likeness of God, to please him. And this is the longing, and it will grow as we focus on it. So we would like to enter now to review an important teaching our Lord gave us on September 30th of 2019. We can see from these words that the Lord was already preparing us as a community to enter into the process that happens to us in his sacred heart. And this is what he said. The mystery of the cross is unveiled to the pure and innocent of heart. Its meaning, with its power and glory, is known and understood by my little ones that approach me with sincerity and simplicity of heart. Those that allow the Holy Spirit to destroy their plans, expectations, perceptions, and desires enter into the mystery of divine love. These are powerful words, our community. The Lord is telling us that the mystery of the cross is actually received by very few people. Why? Because it is only unveiled for souls that are willing to allow the Holy Spirit. He uses the word destroy. It was like our first beginning retreat reflection, taking the rug from under us. Destroy our plans, expectations. It is those souls that receive the grace of graces, the mystery of divine love. He goes on to tell us, My apostles at first could not receive the mystery of God's plan of salvation 
which opens the passage to enter into God through his Son. Because their desires and expectations kept their minds and hearts concealed to the knowledge of God's love. But when their expectations and desires were shattered and their hearts were humbled in grief, the Holy Spirit could begin to reveal to them the mystery of divine love found and encountered in the cross and through the cross. In a few minutes, we're going to go into this example of the apostles. But the Lord continues to tell us in this message, Till this day, the mystery of the cross continues to be veiled to the majority of people because they are not willing to allow the Spirit to pierce through their pride, control, stubbornness, plans, and self. Lourdes, I think that is that we don't even believe that there is more. The apostles loved Jesus. They left everything behind, but they just did not understand in their worldview, in their culture, in their expectations, what Jesus was telling them, where he was leading them, who he is. And it's only when they went through this crisis, like you said, that the rug was pulled out from their beneath their feet in this radical way, that they begin to see and we begin to see, oh, but there is so much more. And that's where we have to put our faith. The revelation of the heart of Jesus is what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, what the heart cannot understand, and it's being given to us. This is amazing. Yes, it is. The Lord continues to tell us, till this day, the mystery of the cross continues to be veiled to the majority of people because they are not willing to allow the spirit to pierce through their pride, control, stubbornness, plans, and self. Then he tells us, continue to enter through the passage I have created for you with the innocence of my little ones and receive the graces of Abba's love, protection in maintaining perfect peace and the joy of the saints who live with perfect faith and hope in the knowledge of divine love. This is important, my family, because the Lord has been telling us that he is forming us. The path is his formation, his path, specifically to make us the saints of these end times. And it's a beautiful process here. The saints are those that receive what the Lord is telling us here knowledge of his divine love. And it is this knowledge of his divine love, only those willing to go through this purification that then have the courage and zeal to die with Christ. And that is either a red martyrdom or a white martyrdom. But it's the saints that have that power that God gives them to pierce this darkness and change the world. The Lord goes on to tell us, Once my apostles received the knowledge of my death and resurrection, they lived in the power of the Holy Spirit amidst great tribulations and darkness. 
Fear no longer had a hold on them. How important these words are, especially now in the world, when the entire world is quarantined, when there is a darkness growing darker and darker. These are the times we've been formed for, to be the light, to be these saints. Let us respond as he continues to purify us. It is the same for you during these times of tribulation and great darkness. My hidden martyrs of love, that is us, living in the knowledge of divine love through the mystery of the cross, then the Lord makes a promise. We'll shine like bright stars during the darkness of the great persecution. Persevere, he tells us, living as my hidden martyrs of the end times. <clears throat> and I have discovered how I need to be attentive because in the daily moments where I feel turmoil or I feel that I'm being tried, that's where I need to exercise the most. So temptations, attacks, pandemics are opportunities for us to exercise this abandonment, this trust in God, so that we grow in humility, in living the life of Christ. So now we're going <clears throat> to go... And we're going to examine more clearly, more deeply, the apostles. And you'll see it through scriptures from the old to the new, the same. For example, in the Old Testament in 2 Kings, we see Naaman who comes to Elijah and he wants to be healed. Now, he had a really good desire to be healed. That's a good desire. But he, had, he was attached to his own expectations of how he wanted to be healed. So when Elijah tells him, go bathe seven times in the Jordan River, that doesn't go along with his attachment to his desires according to his expectations. And there he, you see how he has to be purified. The same thing happens to the apostles. And we're going to enter the section now called Overwhelming Grief and the Circumcision of My Heart. Our desires are so attached to our hearts that only by purification by fire can we be freed so that we can be attached to his will. Think of circumcision as an analogy. These are powerful words from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. It says, circumcise then the foreskin of your heart and do not be stubborn any longer. That is the process we are entering, the circumcision of our heart. And this can happen to moms. They have expectations about how their children should be. We have expectations of how community should be. And we create these fantasies to ourselves. And then the Lord is saying, will you allow me to show you what am I going to do through this life of community, this life of motherhood or marriage or whatever our relationships are and we might get disillusioned but if we trust in God we will see how through it all he's doing something greater okay so let us read Matthew 17 22 to 27 as they were gathering in Galilee Jesus said to them the son of men 
is going to be betrayed into human hands. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised. And they were overwhelmed with grief. When they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tribute? From their children or from others? When Peter said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the children are free. However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and for me. So let's enter. Let's see what we learn about the circumcision of the heart from Peter. The apostles are overwhelmed with grief, Matthew 17, 23, because Jesus for the second time has told them that he is going to be killed and that he will be raised on the third day. The apostles are overwhelmed with grief because they have truly come to know Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and they have come to love him. But their grief is not yet fully purified. The intentions of their hearts are not yet pure. Therefore, their love is not yet filial love, pure love. Their grief is overwhelming because a very painful process of purification is actually taking place in their hearts. The circumcision of the foreskin of their hearts. The disciples have their desires and expectations of Jesus. They have their own desires of what life ministering with Jesus should be. Their desires and expectations are actually good. They are to be freed of the oppression of the Romans, a very good desire, and to see Jesus established as the king Messiah on earth with them at his side, ruling the people. Beautiful desires. These are good human desires, plans, and expectations. But the ways of God are not the ways of men. Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on the divine things but on human things. Their hearts need to undergo the painful process of the circumcision of their desires. The deep desire of their hearts are being cut out, crucified, put to death. And this personal death within the depth of their hearts is overwhelming them with grief. Yet this painful death of their deepest desires and longings is the only means to pure love. This is the first nail of crucifixion with Jesus. 
The only way to live this overwhelming grief is as Moses did and also Mary in the knowledge of who God is. And here it's important to remember those scripture passages, so many of them that reveal who God is. For example, in Deuteronomy 10, 15, it says, Yet the Lord set his heart in love upon your fathers and chose their descendants after them, you above all people. The Lord has set his heart in love for me and for you. In Isaiah, there's so many passages that we are God's people held in the palm of his hand and on and on. If we live this overwhelming grief in the interior death without our gaze upon the mercy, goodness, and power of God, and in the knowledge of his, that his ways are perfect and bring forth new life, then we can enter an oppressive sadness because our eyes are fixed on ourselves and not on God. And this we see happening, very common in the world and very common in us, because we forget. And therefore, we go through any difficult thing like what the apostles were going through, their whole desires, the way they were seen, the way they were going and walking, their whole ministry, the view of their ministry was being shattered. And that can bring many of us into an oppressive sadness if we haven't come to know the ways of God. Right after Jesus tells his apostles again that he's going to be killed and resurrect on the third day, he speaks to Peter about the collecting of taxes. Jesus is the son who is exempt, yet he tells Peter to pay the tax for him and Peter. Jesus accepts the will of his father to be the ransom for us. This is the way of God, the way of divine love, all pure and merciful. The fact that Peter, too, is given the coin to pay the tax reveals that Peter will follow Christ to martyrdom. Peter will participate in the death of Christ. And in this way, Peter's desire his good desire to be freed from the Roman oppression and minister with Christ to set the people free and lead them to new life will be fulfilled, but according to God's will, not Peter's will. The surgical removal of a boy's foreskin is painful. Our desires are the foreskin attached to our hearts. The divine physician comes to cut away this foreskin because it keeps our hearts attached to our eye and not to God. When the skin is removed, the boy feels greater sensitivity. At first, very, very painful. And the same thing happens with us, this surgical removal. This too is what happens to our hearts. When the foreskin of our desires is removed, our hearts become more sensitive with time to God. They have a greater capacity to know him and to understand his ways. Our hearts then become more attached to God, able to live in greater trust and abandonment to his will. We too have good desires, 
but they are attached to our wills and ego. Like Father was just saying, desires to have those we love freed from their oppressions, healed of their wounds and disorders, and set free to love us. We want our desires fulfilled, though, according to our ways, just like the apostles, which is not the cross and suffering. So what do we do? We control. We insist. We push. We pull. And we force to try to change the ones we love. God calls us to follow him, to follow Christ and to suffer with him. This is beautiful verse from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13.5. Love does not insist on its own way. And we cannot keep on insisting that God does things our ways. How many times have we experienced disillusionment because we pray for something that we hoped that would go one way and it doesn't go that way. And we feel, maybe God didn't hear my prayer. God always hears our prayers. But he has a more perfect plan. And then we have to trust and believe. In this process of this circumcision, we actually are going to live what St. Paul tells Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 4. He says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. It is in the first nail of crucifixion of our desires that we actually begin to shed our blood. So we're going to end this second reflection with a teaching from the Lord that's going to take us through a process of this week's homework of reflection to take each of us deep. This is teaching was from the Lord, the mission of the 12. It's a call to discipleship. The Lord said to us, my little ones, I have chosen you to bear fruit for the kingdom of God on earth. The mission is not easy for the ways of God are never the ways of the world. All who are chosen by God to fulfill his plan on earth are hated by some, rejected by others, ill-treated, persecuted. For I came upon the earth to set one against another, for the ways of God will never be accepted nor appreciated by those who live for the things of this world. How much our desires must undergo a great purification Because if I am attached to being loved, to being accepted, to being desired, to being understood, when I fulfill the mission God has given me and I am hated and rejected and persecuted, if those desires and attachments are still in my heart, it's going to be very difficult for me to enter in the will of God which is for me to be hated by some, persecuted, misunderstood. You have been asked by God to bring him victim souls. Now listen carefully. A victim soul must fix his eyes on Christ 
must desire with all his being to become one with his master, must be willing to learn from him and imitate him. He must be willing to fight against all his disordered desires. This requires certain disciplines for my disciples. So right here, the Lord is telling us that he wants his desires that we desire with all our hearts to become one with Jesus crucified, to imitate him. If we're going to follow him and we're serious about imitating him, then we know we're going to be crucified with him. That is the goal of every Christian. God did not cause any evil or rejection or abuse. He doesn't want us to be abused. What he does want is that we're willing to love so much that we bear abuse. And that is what we need to desire. And often, quite often, is through that choice to love when we are abused or rejected that we are transformed. That's when it really happens. When I choose to love when it's very difficult. So it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing, mm-hmm. those trials. So now the Lord gives us five points here that is going to be our week's meditation to go deep. The Lord says, This requires certain disciplines for my disciples. First, take no gold, nor silver, nor copper. Jesus tells us that means detached from the riches of this world, trusting that God will provide. What desires do I have attached to the riches of this world? Number two, no bag for your journey. That means that my disciples must allow my spirit to detach them from all disordered attachments. I asked the Lord, my Lord, how do we know what a disordered attachment is? And the Lord said, anything that weakens your desire for me, distracts you from loving me, takes your gaze from me. Hmm. There is so much here for an entire week of meditation for us to go deep within our own hearts. Number three nor two tunics. My disciples must live simply as I did, poor, never in excess. And this is important that you go to the section of the path on poverty, the spirit of poverty, because it doesn't just mean poverty, physical poverty. The Lord is taking us to the spiritual poverty, which is detaching from our plans, from our desires, from our expectations, even from consolations and friendships and from him, the Lord tells us. Number four, nor sandals, a life dedicated to sacrificial love, penance, renunciation. And number five, nor a staff, my disciples lean on me. I become their support. I lead the way. And then the Lord ends by telling us, My disciples wear my yoke, the wood of the cross united to me. I am their awe. My disciples are the men and women consumed in love and desire 
for me. They choose to live this way of life for love of me and the consuming desire to be made perfect, which is to become love. Only in this way will my disciples reflect the face and light of God in the world. These are my victim souls that possess the power of God on earth. So the work for this week, from this reflection, you're going to meditate the notes, and then as you gaze on love crucified and seek to imitate him, as God, Jesus Christ told us, we need to ask ourselves, what are my disordered desires? Using the five points Jesus gave us. First, what desires do I have for the riches of this world? Two, what desires do I have that weaken my desire for Christ, for prayer, for daily mass, for adoration? What desires distract me from loving and gazing at him? What inordinate desires bring me to any excess? Alcohol, TV, clothing, shoes, tools, gadgets, food, computer time, on and on. What desires keep me from sacrificial love, penance, and renunciation? What desires keep me wanting to be in control and from trusting God completely? And we will end this reflection with one of Maria Hicken's newest songs, En Tu Sagrado Corazón, In Your Sacred Heart, that brings this whole beautiful reflection together and summarizes it all beautiful in her beautiful music. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you in the third reflection. God bless you. God bless you.